Welcome to Keep You 100 Radio. I'm your host, Felicity Pointer, type 1 diabetic, certified health coach, personal trainer, and founder of Needles and Spoons Health and Wellness. Inside this podcast, you'll find the real and raw conversations around diabetes management, including the lessons that we don't learn in our endos office, my best tips and trainings, and conversations from the experts that I trust inside the community so that you can create more predictability in your diabetes management and feel empowered while doing so. Let's dive in. Keep 100 Radio is brought to you in collaboration with SkinGrip, the only patch company that I trust with my diabetes devices. I started using SkinGrip about two years ago, and before I found them, my Descom would last maybe four or five days before falling off, making it really hard to lift weights, hike with my dogs, or just wanting to do the everyday things that I love. But now I can confidently travel, work out, and navigate life with diabetes without having to worry about dealing with insurance more than I have to, begging for replacements, and resorting to finger pricks. Plus, I'm in love with their mission to help us live fearlessly with diabetes. You can check out SkinGrip at SkinGrip.com and save 10% on your order by using the code LISSIE, L-I-S-S-I-E, at checkout. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Keep You 100 Radio. I'm always super excited for all these episodes, but this one I'm particularly excited for because I have my co-coach, Jessica Herlicka, and um, we are going to talk all about things about healthy and sustainable weight loss if that is a goal of yours. Jess is a registered dietitian and certified diabetes educator and has been in the health and wellness space for over a decade. Jess graduated from the Florida State University with a master's degree in clinical nutrition. She joined the Needles and Spoons team in 2019 as a nutrition coach and started her own nutrition coaching business in 2020. She specializes in helping women with diabetes and insulin resistance lose weight eating foods that they love. In her spare time, she's making a ton of yummy and delicious healthy recipes that everyone can enjoy. And I can attest to that because I literally make your protein muffins, I think almost every week. Yes, I love it. They're so fun. (laughs) Uh, Jess, I'm sure that everybody kind of knows you from my Instagram page um, and just kind of being aware of Keep 100. But do you mind taking some time to introduce yourself and just kind of sharing a little bit more about, yeah, you and what you do? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I've been a registered dietitian and diabetes educator now for about a decade. Um, And I originally got into, I originally got into nutrition just because I love food. Um, I definitely struggled with my own, you know, um, weight loss journey and eating disorders and stuff like that prior to getting into school for nutrition. But while I was in school, my uh, dad was diagnosed with type two diabetes. Um, and at the time I wasn't really sure what direction I wanted to go with nutrition. Um, but when he got diabetes, I was like, wow, let me research this more. Um, an opportunity came up to volunteer at local, uh, like diabetes camps with kids with type one, um, with their, um, endocrinology office and their diabetes center. And I just fell in love with it. It was completely different than what we learned in school. (laughs) Nothing like what we learned in school. (laughs) You know, they're just like, they count their carbs, take their insulin, that's it. And then when I got into, you know, the diabetes world, I was like, wow, there's so much more to this. Um, And a lot revolves around food, but it doesn't have to be restrictive and, you know, boring foods. Like you can actually eat normal foods (laughs) with diabetes, which is the fun part. That's one thing that I absolutely love about your approach and that you are completely restriction free. And just to kind of give everybody some context, like Jess is like she mentioned, she's not diabetic, but you would never know just by having conversations with you and how you interact with our clients. You are so understanding of the actual 
the actual condition and you make sure that everybody feels empowered by food and feels like they can fuel their body. So if you don't mind, can we take a quick second just to explain kind of what you do for first our, our clients inside of Keep You 100, but then also what you do for your own clients inside of your own business? Yeah. Well, thank you so much. You know, I always you know, I'm always the odd man out that doesn't have diabetes, but I really try as best as I could to think about, you know, what some scenarios would feel like. Um, so I really try to be mindful of that when I'm talking to everyone in the group. Um, but yeah, inside keeping it 100, I'm the nutrition coach. So I talk a lot about macronutrients and obviously, you know, carbs and different types of carbs. Um, but we also go into, you know, micronutrients and fiber and bolus strategies for different meals with different macronutrient, uh, breakdowns. And then I also, talk to our group about testing their carb ratios, doing, doing basal rate testings and insulin sensitivity factor testing, because a lot of that is not explained at your endocrinologist's office, but it makes a huge impact in your blood sugar management. Yeah. And then, um, when I'm working with clients individually, um, we really do a deep dive into their behaviors around food, how they feel around food. Um, I help a lot of women lose weight, um, with insulin resistance, pre-diabetes or diabetes. Um, so obviously being mindful of, you know, foods that are going to be good for blood sugar balancing, but a lot of it is working through that mindset of, you know, how to create those small behavior changes that really lead to their success. And there's a lot, we really have to break down through, you know, learn dieting or societal, you know, just dieting and all of the information out there that's overwhelming. And we just kind of break all that down and set, uh, you know, realistic goals and solutions for them individually. <laughs> right. So let's kind of talk about that a little bit, because I feel like when we are diagnosed with, with diabetes and maybe I'm just speaking from my own experience here, but we're kind of taught that, okay, you know, restrict your carbs or limit your carbs, uh, you know, have X amount per day. Um, you know, take this amount of insulin, you know, and so forth. So one, that's like one limitation when it comes to our mindset around food. But then when you add the weight loss context around it too, it can get even more confusing. So do you mind kind of sharing the, I guess maybe the things that your tip, like your clients typically walk into believing and kind of what shift you help them create? Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, it really sucks to hear the experiences when people are first diagnosed and whoever they encounter that was like, you can't eat this anymore. You can't do this. Um, because it's so, you know, it's such a overwhelming and fearful experience to begin with. And then to be told that on top of it, I'm sure it's such a, you know, head spin. Um, but so, yeah, when I meet with people, sometimes they're, you know, hesitant to even talk to me because they think I'm another person that's going to say, don't eat this and don't eat this. And, you know, I'm kind of like, no, you know, we're not, we're not talking about that here. So sometimes people come in with these, you know, pre preconceived notions that if I'm trying to have lower blood sugars, I have to cut out this, or I have to go low carb. And then, like you said, especially with the weight loss piece, a lot of people are afraid of taking more insulin because insulin can cause weight gain when in all actuality, you know, excessive insulin sure could cause weight gain, but the amount of insulin appropriate for your needs, there's no reason why you have to keep gaining weight and gaining weight. And I think, you know, the overall message a lot of time is just, oh, we'll take out the carbs because 
then I'm on less insulin. That's going to help me lose weight. Then I'm going to have better blood sugars, but we all know that's not really a sustainable long-term approach. Um, and it's also pretty miserable, you know, at the same time. So, you know, that's probably the number one thing I hear, you know, people already coming in and like, I know I have to give up this, this, this. And I'm like, no, let's figure out if you love those foods, let's figure out how to make them work in your diet so that, you know, you feel good and you feel satisfied. Yeah, that's huge. Because when I was first diagnosed, I thought that I had to just eat like kind of salads all day. And not only did I have my like, I mean, I had met with a dietitian and they kind of gave me the basic food pyramid of what to follow, but it was still very, it's like, okay, just eat this, this and this. And then I had other people in my ear saying, oh, well, if you want to increase your, like, if you don't want to take as much insulin, you know, give up gluten, give up bread and all the carbs. So like, that in itself was like, wait a minute. Like I love my carbs, grew up as a gymnast. And like every, before every meet we ate like bowls and bowls of pasta, like no way I'm not giving that stuff up. So like, what is the first thing that you kind of uncover with these clients who come in with those preconceived kind of notions, like you mentioned, um, like what is that first step in, in navigating that, uh, that limiting belief, I guess we can call it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think it's important to understand, like, where did that come from? You know, um, did it come from your endocrinologist's office? Did a friend tell you that, you know, like you were saying, was it the media or somebody on YouTube telling you, you know, you can't eat all these different things. Um, and then, you know, when you break it down, you really want to think like, okay, where's the evidence for that? Does that belief even make sense. You know, we know that there's no foods that like cause people to get diabetes. There's no specific foods that cause people to gain weight or have bad blood sugars. So, um, I think sometimes breaking that down, like, where did that come from? Why is that belief there? Um, because then you can take a step back and say, oh yeah, you know, I never realized I heard this when I was diagnosed at 10, but for some reason I'm still thinking this. Right. Like it's sticking years and years later and it's definitely not serving me now as an yeah. you're in that cycle. So I guess like, can we talk about a little bit like the science behind it of, okay, on both ends of like weight loss and insulin resistance, because I think that's, they kind of go hand in hand for people when they're trying to, and, and that can be an assumption, but go hand in hand when they're trying to take on this journey. Like why isn't cutting carbs or cutting calories the immediate solution there? Yeah. And I think, you know, what you said too, about insulin resistance, there, there's so many things that can cause insulin resistance. It's not just the food, but for some reason, that's like the first thing that we target. Um, and we talk about this and keeping it 100 all the time around insulin resistance, because there's like a laundry list of even for me to mention, you know, hydration and being sick and your menstrual cycle and all those things. So, um, but I, yeah, I think people go towards the food and when you just restrict your calories and restrict your carbs. Um, first of all, you know, when you're diagnosed as well, um, sometimes you've already lost weight or you're already, you know, starting this restriction. So then if you go into even more restriction, that can really be damaging for your whole, you know, metabolism. Um, it can cause you to start losing muscle, which the whole goal is to keep muscle on, you know, even if you're trying to lose weight, you want to have optimal muscle, but maybe lose some of the body fat. Um, 
And then cutting the carbs, you're just really lowering your energy levels, um, increasing that, you know, stress on your body when you cut calories and carbs really low, which can lead to hormonal dysfunctions and losing your menstrual cycle, not to mention, you know, just cravings and, um, you know, it, it can really be dangerous when you're on an insulin regimen and now all of a sudden you're cutting all your carbs, who's helping you monitor how to adjust your doses. I see this a lot. And then people end up having crazy low blood sugars and it's really dangerous. Mm-hmm. And then I feel like we get into the spiral of frustration because then we have to intake carbs and maybe we re- rebound and then we, you know, either feel like we're one binging on snacks that maybe we initially were cutting out and then two, our blood sugars kind of spiral from that. So it feels kind of counterintuitive and we get frustrated and burnt out and then kind of pick up on that cycle of like starting to diet, stop diet, start diet, stop diet. And none of it is sustainable. Right. And I, you know, I see people go through the cycles and they feel like it's their fault. They feel like, oh, well, I didn't have the willpower. I didn't have the discipline. Um, I'm doing something wrong when I'm like, no, this is pure biology. You know, when your sugars go low, you're going to be signaled to eat. If your sugars are too high, that can also change your hunger levels. You know, there are other you know, stress can drive your hunger and cravings and things like that. And yeah. And when you're having lows and then spiking and you're not feeling well, you're not going to want to be working out. And again, people, you know, kind of want to blame themselves, um, when maybe having a better strategy, um, might be the answer so that you don't have those, you know, highs and lows. Yeah, I agree with that. I feel like even, I mean, we've been talking a lot about this in regards to exercise, just given that we've been working on the chronic and strong challenge, but, um, it's both ways, like with exercise and nutrition, like whether you have a program or a diet or whatever it is that kind of sets you into that all or nothing or pass versus fail mindset, it can feel really, really like, oh, it's my fault. I'm doing something wrong. And then we, again, feel guilt, shame, all of those things. Like, that's why I hate things like the 75 hard challenge. I really dislike things like Dr. Bernstein's diet and, you know, all these like really limiting diets that are supposed to help quote unquote our diabetes. But at, in the end, we're like, oh, if we can't follow it, we're a quote unquote bad, bad diabetic and so many things. <laughs> yeah. And it, you know, a lot of those things don't even make sense when you break them down and people start to fear foods, even healthy foods, like with the burns, Dr. Bernstein's diet, you know, they're fearing things like peanut butter and avocado and olive oil. And I'm just like, what those, you know, those are great nutritious foods. And, um, you know, with diabetes, there's so much counting and equations and things like that too. When you're doing something so strict with like, I can only eat X amount of this and X amount of that. It, it's so overwhelming and you completely lose your connection with food. And I see this a lot when, when we're not enjoying our experience with food and we're, we're feeling restricted. That's when we really search out those like highly palatable foods that make us feel really good or comforted. And, you know, it, you're creating, um, that, you know, snack attack or wanting to eat all the things, um, because this, this fear and restriction is in your mind. Right. That's one thing that I really love about the work that you do with our clients specifically. And I mean, I'm sure that you do it with your own clients. I'm just speaking from experience here, but you, you know, you help our clients actually say, okay, let's improve our relationship with food first. There's the the food aspect, 
the numbers aspect and like let's create those that positive relationship with the, both things and then whatever goals you have after then let's work on those because the way to make it sustainable I think we both can agree is to work on that first yeah and finding a way to have the foods that you enjoy and help them you know work for your blood sugars because I know in several rounds we've done, we've helped people add oatmeal back and add fruit back and, you know, add things like ice cream back and that they were afraid of. And then, you know, towards the end of our program, they're like, wow, I can eat this. And I know, you know, the strategies and I, I know I can. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. I think the biggest one was smoothies. There was one Mm -hmm. round. Everybody was like, wait, smoothies don't have to mess up my blood sugar. Like that was the biggest thing. Everybody was having smoothies every day. I loved it. Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> so let's kind of talk about that a little bit. Like when we were talking about just that initial mindset portion of, you know, working on the relationship with food and relationship with a number um, before anybody even wants to get into their weight loss journey, what are kind of some tips or advice that you can give them when they're working with that upfront? With what do you mean? Like the. Um, so with the, like with the mindset portion of like improving the relationship with food first. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, I mean, I would just, again, kind of going back to why is this food fearful? Like, where is that anxiety coming from? Um, maybe in the past when this food hasn't worked for your blood sugar, let's think about some reasons, maybe why it didn't work. Um, we obviously go through a lot of, you know, bolus strategies and things like that to help the food work for your blood sugar, but also sometimes just looking at the food and breaking it down, you know, again, going back to things like avocados or oatmeal, like when you look at all the nutritional benefits of that food, and then you're thinking, yeah, like that's actually a really healthy food. Like I can still, um, incorporate that in my diet. Um, there's nothing bad about that food. It's just kind of breaking it down and and looking at the food for what it really is. Um, and then, you know, we talk about all the, the tips and tricks to maybe adding certain things to that food to have better blood sugars or mixing those foods with different um, combinations to have better blood sugars. And that's when it really gets fun because then you get to add more things into the meals, um, and still make it work for you. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing that I've learned one from you, but like both in my journey was like not looking at foods just as a carb count (laughs) to your point of like, okay, what is the, what are the benefits of this food? How is it going to make me feel? But also on the strategic end of like, what are their carbs, protein, and fat? And how is that going to affect my blood sugar? It's not just, okay, let me just expect this spike after it's like, okay, how can I be strategic about this? And again, if it's going to be a little bit more complicated. What can I add in that can slow things down? Like, it's just, it's really empowering when you're like, okay, instead of avoiding it, I'm going to add something in one to make me feel more satisfied and two to help my blood sugars. It's a win-win. Yeah. And that's something that, you know, really isn't discussed in your endo office at all, you know, the macronutrient breakdown of the meals. And so many of our clients are like, wait, I thought, you know, this was a free food and this didn't count and this doesn't do anything. Um, but when you kind of see the bigger picture of how the foods work together, you're right. It's so empowering. And then you can have fun with it and like make new recipes and try new snacks and new meals. I mean, we have so many of our clients doing that. Um, And like you said, it's giving you more energy um, throughout the day and you get to have better blood sugars. Amazing. Win-win. I love it. (laughs) So when it comes to kind of that weight loss 
uh, perspective, how do you take that adding in approach into that goal? Like, how do you support your clients in that? Yeah. So I always ask them, you know, what does your normal eating patterns look like? What are the foods that you really enjoy? Because, or what are the um, scenarios in your week that are your like non-negotiables? Like you absolutely love it. You know, if that's like Friday night pizza with your boyfriend, like that's your thing and you love that. I'm like, okay, let's keep that in. I want to keep that in. Um, Because when you start cutting out all those foods that you enjoy, that's when it really feels restrictive. And I think sometimes just, you know, what we do a lot is assessing our patterns and behaviors, you know, and keeping it 100, you could do the same thing with the foods that you're eating, the meals that you're eating. Um, Are you, you know, having big gaps in between meals? Are you snacking a lot? Just kind of looking at those behaviors first, just non-judgmental, just to see what is my style? What are my patterns? You know, do I eat more when I'm stressed? Do I eat less when I'm stressed? Cause that can give you that first insight into, okay, what are some of the things that I need to maybe tweak or work on in my life um, to support my goals? Right. I think a lot of it comes down to not only what am I eating, but exactly to your point, what are my behaviors? Because if it comes down to, okay, I eat more when I, when I'm stressed or actually for me, it's like, I eat less. (laughs) So one thing that I did on, on my personal journey is like keeping track of how I, I tracked my macros for a while just to see, okay, like how much am I realistically eating day to day? And like those days when I am, am stressed, how can I make it easier for myself to like eat more? But to your point, I think that there's so many other areas that come with the journey that's more than just food. So like stress management, our sleep patterns, our hydration, our movement routine, um, like, and it all kind of goes hand in hand and that really, it's all a holistic picture in any way that you look at it. Yeah. And sometimes people aren't eating enough. I find that a lot, you know, when they're trying to lose weight and same thing for me, when I really got serious about my weight loss goals, I would go all day without eating and then eat huge meals at night. And it, it didn't feel good. You know, it wasn't serving, it wasn't helping. So sometimes, you know, I find a lot that people just aren't eating enough throughout the day or just not eating enough at their meals to feel full. And it's kind of setting up that self-sabotage, you know, already built in. Um, but when you can identify that, you know, pattern and start to change it, it, you really feel a lot better. (laughs) Can you talk about that a little bit of why, um, like that of why having less calories doesn't always equate to weight loss? Yeah. Well, when you're, you know, when you're having too few calories for what your body needs, your body is really smart and it's going to start to just slow those metabolic processes down because it recognizes, okay, I'm not getting enough energy in. I can't really expend that much energy out. Um, and then when you couple that, I know Lissy, you talk about this all the time with the workouts, you know, if you couple that with like a high intensity workout, um, if you, you know, add, uh, not enough sleep to that or not enough hydration with that, you really start to stress your body out even more. Um, and your body is not going to start giving up weight and fat. If it feels like it's under stress and, um, it's not getting enough food and, and also, you know, it's going to drive up your hunger levels and your cravings, and it's not going to be something sustainable that you can do for a long period of time. And then you're compromising, you know, your hormones and your muscle mass and things like that. 
So it really gets dicey. And there are, you know, so many plans out right now that are doing this so super low calorie and they seem really appealing because they work quick initially, but then you burn out, you, you're not eating enough, you know, you're tired, you have no energy. And then when you come off of the plan and you're kind of stuck, like, okay, now what do I do? You go back to eating like normal. And then you end up gaining a lot of the weight back because your body is already in that hold on to everything, keep all the fat for later mode. Um, and that, you know, it, it's so damaging for our metabolism over time and doing that back to back, that kind of yo-yo dieting, that's what can really, you know, cause years of damage. I wish that was something that wasn't so beaten in by like previous generations. I know that, <laughs> and maybe this is just an assumption again, but I feel like, you know, our parents and grandparents, like that was, that was the thing. Okay. Like I have to earn my food or, Oh, I had dessert last night. I'm not going to eat breakfast this morning or whatever it is. And I, I wish that was more like known. I wish more people took your approach of like, no, like we need a set amount of calories a day. We need to fuel our bodies and that's how it works. <laughs> Yeah, because, you know, when we're little, all of that eating is really intuitive. You know, when you watch kids, they stop when they're full, they eat when they're hungry, you know, they'll let you know, (laughs) they're really good at that. Um, And, you know, little kids don't eat very much at one time, um, but they eat kind of more frequently. And then like you said, with other generations and media and all these things as adults, it's kind of like we lose that. And then we're either eating because we were told we have to eat six meals a day, or we have to eat every two hours a day, or we have to fast now for for hours and hours and hours on end. So we lose that intuition. And that's one of the most important things I think about the weight loss piece is, you know, connecting with your body. Am I hungry? Do I need some energy? Am I full? am I ready to stop eating? You know, connecting with that is key, um, for, you know, weight loss and blood sugar management and just, you know, feeling good. A hundred percent. So if somebody came to you and they're saying like, Jess, I am in such a plateau. I have, you know, either gained weight or I've been in this, like, I've just, the scales not moved in, in such a long time. What would be the first, because I know we can't say like, what is the advice you would give them? Because we know that everybody's mm-hmm. scenario is different, but what would be the first few questions that you would ask them to consider? Um, yeah, I would just, again, going back to those patterns and, you know, I think sometimes people get stuck in that all our mindset with like, I'm good during the week, but then I fall off on the weekends or I'm good during this time, but I'm not good during this time. So Um, sometimes when people come to me and they're like, I'm trying everything and it's not working, we can find a lot of gaps where they're like on and then off and then on and then off. And then that in and of itself is kind of slowing down that, that progress. Um, and sometimes it could be not even realizing with certain meals, you know, what is the breakdown of this meal? What are the calorie contents of this meal? Um, if you're someone that eats out frequently, that's fine. But sometimes those meals are maybe a lot more calories or more fat than you initially thought they would be. So just kind of examining, like, what am I actually eating? Um, what are some of the things that may be, um, not working for me? Um, and yeah. And then also the other things, you know, the sleep and hydration, and are you taking those rest days? You know, what does your activity look like? Um, for some people it, you know, could be, 
a little bit of activity, but maybe they're sitting for a lot of the day. So just adding in like more daily movement can help. Um, those are some of the kind of the places that I would start. Um, but really, again, going back to those examining those patterns and behaviors, because I think sometimes when you start a process like losing weight, you know, initially you're you're tracking and you're looking and then over time things happen, things change, which is fine. That's normal, <laughs> but kind of regrouping and going back to square one and say, okay, what, what is working for me? And maybe what's not working at this point in time. And if I can add something in there, like, I feel like when our, I mean, just specifically our clients that come through our program, when people bring that up as a goal, I always ask like, what is the intention of that goal? Like, what is the intention of the weight loss? One, what will it make you feel? Um, what are you actually looking like? What are the actual emotions that you're looking to feel instead. So are you looking for confidence? Are you looking to feel strong? Are you looking to feel energized? Like what is in correlation with that weight loss? And a lot of times people like that goal isn't exactly what they thought it would be or what they wanted it to be. So I feel like really understanding, okay, like what does this goal actually mean? Is it about the number? Is it about how I look in certain clothes? Is it about how strong I feel? Like what is behind that? Yeah. And I, I, I feel a lot of times that weight loss goal could be coming from someone else too. Like your endo told you to lose weight or something like that, or, you know, a parent, um, those kind of things can come up later on. Yeah. So, and then I think people also have this idea that when they hit that number, that weight loss goal, that other things in their life are going to get better <laughs> miraculously. You know, it's like, when I lose weight, I'm going to go on a trip. When I lose weight, I'm going to meet my person, you know, and those things aren't necessarily true. And I think that's when people, you know, they lose the weight and they're like, wait, I'm still feeling stuck. Cause we didn't really identify, you know, why was the weight loss such a big goal? What are some other areas of your life that maybe you feel like are missing or lacking that you want to improve that maybe aren't even weight related? <laughs> Right. I love that so much. And that's something that we really learn in the, um, just as far as like the holistic approach, like there's that it's all a combination that goes into wellness. And if you guys are listening to the podcast and you've listened to other episodes, you know what I'm talking about, but that, um, like there are all these areas of wellness. So your creativity, your education, your home and meals, your relationship, social life, like there's a whole big wheel. And like, that's how we measure wellness is how fulfilled we feel in those areas. So exactly to your point, like, is this goal just to feel satisfied in those other areas? Okay. If so, how can we maybe feel fulfilled in those areas first before we tackle that goal? And once we do, is that still a goal? Yeah, definitely. And I know, um, Lissy, you've talked about this before that sometimes weight loss is pitched as like a part of the solution to diabetes, which we also know isn't necessarily true. You know, just because you reach your goal weight, you're still going to have diabetes and, you know, be managing those blood sugars and at a lower weight that may not make it miraculously easier to do. <laughs> so we kind of got to take those things away from each other sometimes. Yeah, exactly. It's just like, okay, when you take out the carbs, you're still going to have to deal with the fluctuations when you add carbs back in. So what's the solution? Understanding how carbs affect your blood sugars and understanding the strategy or taking out the carbs or the weight. It, yeah. So how would you say that like your approach to blood sugar management, insulin resistance, weight loss, how is that like we know how it's different because it's not restrictive, but how does that meet that sustainability piece? Like 
what do you do differently that makes it sustainable for everybody so that they're not stuck in that yo-yo diet? Yeah. Well, I think, too, you know, when I'm counseling um, my clients, I really go into their whole lifestyle so that we can figure out what's going to work for them. You know, are they a meal prep person? Do they like to fly by the seat of their pants? You know, are they someone that likes to travel a lot? Do they travel for work? You know, so when you can kind of look at your lifestyle, what appeals to you and how can we make the healthy food work for that? lifestyle. Um, cause a lot of people, you know, come to me and I hear this all the time. Like I know what to do, but I'm just not doing it. Okay. Well, you know, that's why we're here to kind of set up some of those systems in place. You know, how can we, you know, let's see, you talk about this all the time with the, um, habit anchoring, you know, how can we add some of those behaviors and habits to what you're already doing, what you already enjoy. So it doesn't feel like, okay, I'm someone who, likes to go out all the time, but now I'm cooking all my meals at home all the time, you know, cause that's not sustainable or realistic. Right. Obviously like not for nothing, but if people are saying like, I know what to do, but I'm not doing it. That's not the solution because it's never going to be something that you do consistently because obviously there are those roadblocks that that happen. That's number one of behavior change. So yeah, I, I love that. Make it work for your lifestyle rather than make your lifestyle work for the goal. Yeah, definitely. Cause everybody's so different. Yeah. So with that being said, you know, not only is that kind of a roadblock that I think you probably see in the beginning, but also when people are trying all of these things over and over again. So when would you say, okay, like you, you've done a lot, like when is it time for a break or to kind of set that goal aside and focus on other things? Yeah. I mean, I think when other situations happen in your life that are really stressful, or um, sometimes they even have people take a break when they're, you know, maybe their blood sugars aren't looking, you know, in the control that they want them to be. Um, because sometimes people are trying to lose weight, trying to lose weight, but if we're having higher blood sugars, or maybe you're having a lot of lows, we need, we might need to go back to, okay, the medicine needs to change. You know, the dosing needs to change the the blood sugars are going to be more important, you know, for your health overall than losing these last five pounds. Right. So that may be a, a good time. Or like I said, if you're just going through something really overwhelming or stressful that you don't feel like adding the weight loss on top of everything you're having to do is way too overwhelming. Then I would say, you know what, it's okay to take a break or to pivot. If something really isn't working for you and you've just been trying to make it work, maybe it's not the right thing for you. And it's time to either take a break, reassess, pivot, you know, try something else. Um, but yeah. Yeah. I like that a lot. I, I work with a personal trainer and one thing that I've really appreciated is that when like say weeks at work are really stressful or I just went through kind of like a two month period where I was so stressed, so overwhelmed, like movement was just not my top priority. And instead of giving me that like, oh, never miss a Monday or like your goals don't stop kind of like talk, he was really gentle about it and said like, hey, like there are still ways that we can make movement and, and like movement a priority without having to overstretch, like put you in overload of saying, okay, making sure I'm getting four workouts a weekend, making sure I'm progressing on my, um, on, on the movements, like we can still have different priorities. That's okay. And then when I'm ready and feeling okay, like I'm back into it. Okay. Now we can get back into focusing on the move on the movement, getting your four work workouts a week. And I like that gentle approach of like, okay, like it's okay to pivot. 
So yeah, it's okay to focus on, okay, like fueling your body, but it doesn't have to be for the purpose of weight loss. Like there are still other ways to focus on you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. One week you might be all gung ho and wanting to cook everything yourself. And then the next week it might just be, I need to drink some water this week, you know, or I need to get in some veggies this week and that's going to have to work. And that's completely okay to do. And you shouldn't beat yourself up about those times because they're going to happen because we're humans. (laughs) Yes. Minimum viable commitment. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) For anybody listening who doesn't know what that is, that's something that we teach our clients a lot for this specific purpose. Like, okay, what is one thing that you can commit to this week? If nothing else, that's, that's your baseline. So yeah, I really love that approach to us. Um, so what would you say is the importance of having like a mentor or a coach or someone like you at a part of the journey? So like, because obviously we know there's a lot of programs online. There's a lot of, um, just like basic diets, there's books, like what is the importance of having somebody right next to you guiding you along the way? Yeah. I mean, first of all, having that individualized approach is, is really key. Um, because like you mentioned, there's so many programs out there, but when you have a coach, a dietitian um, working with you, we're really thinking about the whole picture, you know, including your medications and other conditions and your lifestyle, um, your behaviors, um, and your history, you know, what's been going on, um, prior to that. Um, and then, you know, they can be that other person to, to, like you said, with your, um, trainer, you know, Hey, it's okay to take a break or, Hey, I think we need to pivot. This isn't working. They can sometimes catch some of those things that we don't see when we're so hyper-focused on certain areas. Um, so help you kind of zoom out, um, and also just have that accountability and support, you know, diabetes is hard. (laughs) Losing weight is hard. Um, sometimes it's just good to, to talk it out and know that you're not alone and feeling like that. Um, that's, what's so great about our group, but yeah, definitely having a coach or a mentor that understands that can support you is so important. Amazing. So inside of your own, uh, personal coaching, do you do private coaching, group coaching? What can people know about, uh, how you support your clients? Yeah. I mean, right now I'm doing private coaching. Um, so, you know, that is, um, you know, biweekly calls and then weekly check-ins in between, um, definitely providing that accountability and support. Um, but yeah, I love it. It's so much fun. Um, I don't have room for a lot of clients, but a few private spots. So if you're interested, um, yeah, let me know. Yeah. Where can people find you? So on Instagram, I am Jessica underscore nutritionist. Same with TikTok, although I'm not on there so much. (laughs) That's probably the main place you can find me. Um, I also do have um, a Facebook page of Jessica nutritionist where I just, I basically post tons of recipes up there Um, and, you know, other tips too, but it's fun. (laughs) They are literally guys. Like I say this every time, but if you go to Jessica's page, her Instagram page or her Facebook page, like you'll just drool because there's so many amazing recipes. So if anything else, go follow her on Instagram because you will not be disappointed by the recipes. (laughs) Yes. I love cooking and baking, baking primarily. (laughs) So Jess, thank you so much for hopping on. I think this was a really eye-opening episode for a lot of people. And I'm really excited for everybody to meet you on Instagram and just dive into more of what you offer. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This was so much fun.